Thank you for joining us, everyone. This is episode 66 of the Practicology Podcast. Thanks for being a part of our lives as we help to make the Bible part of yours. We have recently gone through a couple of metaphors of the local church from 1 Corinthians 3, the church as a garden or a cultivated field, and the church as a building. And Mike and I are going to continue on that theme today. Mike, let me ask you, first of all, what is your favorite sport? Well, that's a tough question. I, I actually don't have one. I, I have two favorite sports. And uh, yeah, they're pretty much neck to neck. There's soccer on the one hand and uh, hockey on the other. I guess I could say, Matthew, that in the summertime, it's soccer. And in the wintertime, it's hockey. Uh, right. but, but I have a question for you now. What on earth does that have to do with the church? Well, a little while ago, someone asked one of my children what their favorite sport was. And to our surprise, he said baseball. I think he's hardly ever seen any baseball. We have a basketball net in our driveway. Sometimes I've played some tennis or soccer with him, but here he was saying baseball was his favorite sport. And lately he's been running around the house, throwing a ball and diving to catch it in his little baseball glove with some exciting play-by-play commentary too. And I learned recently how baseball can be a little bit like the local church. Oh, you mean uh, you're referring to the fact that three strikes you're out for both of them? (laughs) No. No, that's not what I had in mind. Uh, And admittedly, this metaphor doesn't come from the Apostle Paul, but I did hear Bill Seal tell this story at a conference a few years ago about a neighborhood baseball team. Just as the umpire was saying, batter up, the catcher for the home team arrived. He took his place behind the plate, but the center fielder didn't show up. He'd sent his regrets. That was very kind of him. Uh, The third baseman, likewise, failed to come to the game. He was just up a little bit too late the night before, so I was feeling a bit tired. Uh, The shortstop was present. That was wonderful, but he left his glove at home, so he wasn't much good. And uh, the first baseman and the second baseman, they were away on a a weekend trip together, but, you know, they'd given their assurance they they were with the pitcher in spirit anyway. So the pitcher went to the mound. He looks around for his teammates, but, hey, how do you think he feels? You know, their positions were empty. The game's announced. Spectators are in the stands, and he's got to throw the pitch and, and hope for the best, but in addition to pitching, he's covering first and second and third and center field. So it didn't go very well. And when the absent players heard that their team had lost, they were very upset. They, they held a team meeting and they decided the solution was they had to get a new pitcher. <laughs> Do you think the problem laid with the pitcher? Not at all. It was not his fault at all. Yeah. And the local church is like a team, but... The metaphor that scripture uses is better than that. It speaks of something that's more closely knit together than a team, something that better shows the interdependency of each member, and that is a body. And the metaphor of the body teaches us that the local church isn't merely a place that you attend, but a people to whom you commit. Well, that's a fascinating intro, Matthew. Uh, I think think you're going to 1 Corinthians 12, so let me refresh uh, the minds of our listeners with some of that language from 1 Corinthians 12. Uh, This is what Paul writes. He says, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body. For the body does not consist of one member, one pitcher, but of many. There are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you nor again the hand to the foot, to the feet, I have no need of you. But God has so composed the body that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. 
Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. So on the one hand, Matthew, Paul's talking about the human body at times in that passage I've read, but he gives us this unique insight. Only Paul, it seems, uh, uh, brings this insight to us in scripture that this is a metaphor and a title of the church. It is the body of Christ. It includes every single Christian around the world and Christians who've already died and gone to be with the Lord. That is the body of Christ. But then on that last verse where I finished reading verse 27, Paul's applying all that he's been saying about the picture of the body to the local church. He's saying, you are Christ's body. Right. So the local church is to function like a body. And one of the big lessons from that is obviously unity. Yeah, the body is one, uh, verse 12 said. Yeah, it's a brilliant metaphor. There are many members, but one whole united body. And there is to be a oneness to God's people in the local church. Philippians 1, that you stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Or another way of looking at it is to say that a local church is like a marriage. A marriage is two becoming one. Well, the church is many living as one, worshiping God as one. Marriage takes love, consideration, patience, commitment, if it's going to be good anyway, uh, if you're going to experience a real oneness. So does the local church. If it's going to experience real oneness, there is going to have to be love and consideration and patience and commitment. The church isn't merely a place you attend, but a people to whom you commit. It's a commitment to the Lord, but also a commitment to one another because there's a oneness in a body. Yeah, and, and Matthew, Tom Schreiner points out something really important about this metaphor. It doesn't say that our oneness depends on our feeling, especially close to one another. We are one body. Our head and hands aren't united because we feel close to one another. The unity is a fact, whether we feel it or not. Right, which is also like a marriage. Husbands and wives are not commanded to feel attracted to their partners, for example, but to love their partner. There's likely to be an attraction, especially where there is true love. But the point, the point isn't first about feelings, but commitment. And we should be committed to each other in the church because we have a shared commitment to Christ and his word. That's what forms our unity. The local church isn't a club where all necessarily have the same extracurricular interests. I'm not with the church that I am with because we all like fishing or baseball or because we're all into homeopathy or coffee, because we're not all into the same things. We're actually very different, but we've been made one in Christ. But that oneness is a corporate oneness, a oneness out of manyness. He doesn't say the local church is a toe or a hand, but a body. So according to the Bible, the individual Christian is not at liberty to say, hey, world, I'm a Christian. I stand with Jesus and then just go baptize themselves and take the Lord's Supper whenever they want in their bedroom and skip out on doing the church thing. No, we are supposed to be in the fellowship of a church. That's God's way. It's a corporate united testimony, commitment to a community of people under the Lordship of Christ. Yeah, and I know that oneness is very precious to Christ. It's it's not a oneness that's easy to protect, I know, but we really ought to try hard to protect it. I'm thinking of what Paul wrote in Ephesians 4. He said, make every effort to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. But as I say that, Matthew, I, I know that's very hard. And uh, what can you say to help us uh, preserve and maintain the oneness, the unity? 
Well, you're right that it can be hard sometimes, Mike. One thing I'd say, biblical unity in the church doesn't mean we are going to agree with everyone on every single detail of life. I mean, it may be sort of helpful, but it's unlikely. But what is key is our attitude toward one another. And I'm thinking of Philippians 2 now, let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. And he speaks of that humble attitude, the respect for each member, valuing each member, the humble service towards others, counting others better than ourselves, which means treating them well, serving them to bless them. So practical unity is more likely to be enjoyed where we take that mind of Christ into our interactions with our brothers and sisters in the local assembly, including the ones with whom we are more liable to disagree. Yeah, good. Thanks uh, for that, Matthew. And and yeah, there are some people with whom we are more likely to disagree because we are different from them, as you said. And and so part of the brilliance of this body metaphor is that yes, it communicates your first point that you've covered so far, unity, but it also communicates at the very same time diversity. Uh, the body metaphor is is unity. There's one body, but then there's many parts. There's many mm-hmm. members. So so there's this second aspect of diversity, and uh, this is this is just a beautiful thing. We we need diversity. Um, I've been I've been plagued, and I, I think many of us Christians are plagued with this uh, attitude of or this temptation to compare ourselves to one another, and so we see we see another uh, member of the local church or of the body and and they're they're really gifted they're really passionate about a certain area and we compare ourselves to them and we think oh i'm not very good at that and i should be better at that but but um but we can actually just relax in that moment and and thank the lord for the diversity of the body that that other member has been gifted uh to to fulfill a different role from myself and um and that's actually a really good thing. I, I spoke recently on this that sometimes we take a cookie cutter approach and, and the cookie cutter approach to the church is that every one of us ought to look the same, dress the same, think the same, uh, speak the same, sound the same and, and, and so on. But but actually there's an aspect of diversity here where, where each of us is going to have different roles, different strengths, different weaknesses and uh, is able to get involved in a work that is that is unique to ourselves. Yeah, it's crucial. It's crucial because none of us are able to do everything. And that's just going to lead to the detriment of the body. But there is something that God would have each of us to focus upon. It's going to be different at times from one another, but there is room for everybody to serve in a different way in the local church. Yeah. And and the big classic question here is, well, how do I find what my role is and, and, you know, what my gifting is for, for the church. And uh, I think, again, the body metaphor helps us here, Matthew, because um, we, we find out what we're good at and, and what our contribution is to be by being part of the local church. You know, it's, it's as, we, as we enter into fellowship with the body, as we get involved with the church, that, that we find out, the, the area of service that we can really contribute to. A really good way to uh, discover our gift is to ask ourselves, what needs am I really quick at seeing? You know, what needs am I really sensitive and and I, I spot maybe more quickly than others and I there's something in, in me that wants to, to go forward and, and try and meet that need. Well, that might help uh, reveal what our gift is. And and again, it only happens. We only, we only notice that 
when we're when we're uh, participating in the life of the church. Excellent. Yeah, uh, an unattached foot is of little help to the body and of little benefit to itself. So God wants you to find and fulfill that role in the body through attachment to and involvement in the fellowship of the church, like Mike has been saying. And again, there's room for everyone. There's that need for diversity. So we want each member's ministry in the body. We need each member. Let's come to a third and final point where I want to spend a little bit more time. The body teaches us unity, diversity, and interdependency. In fact, speaking of unity and diversity, another example of that, Mike, is our own earthly nation, Canada, and our beloved neighbors to the South, the United States of America. The two countries are similar, and they're on the same page in many ways, but the cultures can also be quite diverse, and there are practical and historical reasons for that. Just as one example, Canada has long had a different relationship with Great Britain than the U.S. has. Both countries have their own constitution, but the U.S. also has its Declaration of Independence. That was the pronouncement adopted by the Second Continental Congress in Philadelphia, July the 4th, 1776. And that declaration was explaining why the 13 colonies who were at war with the Kingdom of Great Britain regarded themselves as 13 independent sovereign states, no longer under British rule, no taxation without representation, no responsibility to Great Britain, no commitment to Great Britain. And that's fine and dandy. But for all of us now, whether Canadian, American, British, or anything else, those things don't matter in Christ anyway. We are one in Christ. More than that, church fellowship, listen, church fellowship is a declaration of interdependence. Not independence, but interdependence. And it may be Matt Smethurst that I'm borrowing that phrase from, I'm not sure. But when we become part of a local church, we are wisely making a declaration of interdependence. The saints need you, and you need them. You need others, brothers and sisters. You need the local church. It's not God's design for us to go it alone. Our culture has become very self-focused, very individualistic, and so we, we hear things like this. Well, you don't have to go to church to be a Christian. Well, I know that's a true statement in and of itself, but it's not really living as a Christian if I'm not actively part of a church. Well, I, I, I love Jesus. I'm just not into church. Well, the two go hand in hand. I mean, if you tell me, Matthew, I, I kind of like you, but I, I don't really like your wife. I know you're more likely to say the other way around, honestly, but if, if you did say that, Matthew, I like you, but I don't like your wife. Well, guess what? Your relationship with me is going to be a bit hindered because my wife's important to me. I think a lot of her. And so if you if you speak critically of her, I'm going to take that very personal. That's going to mess up my relationship with you. And the church is important to Christ. It's his bride. It's his body. Now, if I care about Christ, then I care about his body. And I'm going to commit to a local expression of it. I need to belong. And this this isn't now just about my serving others. It's that I need others. And I've come to appreciate this more and more as I, as I think I have matured some in my Christian faith over the years. That hasn't made me more independent. It's helped me to realize how much I need the fellowship of my brothers and sisters in the church. It's called accountability. It's for my benefit. I'm not to be a freewheeling, independent, anonymous Christian. It's for my own spiritual blessing and preservation 
to be accountable to others. Sometimes Christians move to another location. Maybe it's young Christians going away for university or moving somewhere for work. And as they move to this new place, uh, sometimes sometimes I observe that they, uh, you know, they're not really spending a whole lot of extra time with the Christians in that locality. They're not too, maybe they're a bit too busy now in this new life to meet with the church regularly or, or to be with them socially. And it, it's like they're sort of sending a message that they want a little anonymity now. Now that they're away from home, now that they're away from their other connection, they want some anonymity and what they perceive to be freedom. They want to be without that accountability. Is that healthy for them? It is not. We all need one another. You aren't just part of the local church to serve others, it's true, but also because you need the support of others. Yeah, I'm glad you're touching on this, Matthew. Uh, I've learned for myself just how big a role being part of the local church is for my own spiritual preservation and growth. I don't know that I would have survived college without uh, being plugged into the local church there in Winnipeg. And uh, back in episode 50, when we talked about gathering with the church as one of the habits of grace that we follow, uh, I, I mentioned how much I was encouraged just by the presence of other believers at the meeting. I was glad they were there, but I, I needed to be in their presence too. Of course, I can stream wonderful Christian music on Spotify, but I don't take the bread and cup from my mobile phone. I can get a podcast of some good Bible teaching, and, and we try to provide that on this Practicology podcast. But we can't download community, and we need to be with each other to enhance our accountability and and to encourage one another. And every listener tuned in right now can contribute to that. You can support one another. You may see someone struggling and say, why aren't, the, why aren't the elders helping them? Well, maybe they are and you don't know, or maybe they should be more, sure. But let me just ask you, are you helping them? Your members in the same body, your members in the body just as much as the elders are. That's 1 Corinthians 12, verse 25. Members have the same care one for another. The church doesn't just need elders, needs you. People do need care. We read that if one member suffers, the body's suffering. This is, this is really on my heart as I talk about this subject. Doctrine is really important in a local church. And we touched on that a little bit in the episode of the church as a building. And we, we, we will revisit that. I'm a champion for that. Uh, I love to sit down and talk about doctrine and theology. But part of the doctrine of the New Testament church is that we care for and support one another. I'm grieved a little bit by a tendency I observe to overplay the separation between doctrine and social interactions with one another. Now, I'm standing by what I said earlier. The church isn't a, a social club. We are united because of Christ. But now that we're united, we should try and develop a, a closeness relationships. There's a lot of lonely people out there, brothers and sisters. There's a lot of Christians who need a friend. You say, I thought you said it's about Christ and about uh, our allegiance to his word, not a social club. Well, well, it isn't, but most people do need friends. This is why we just had a podcast episode where we were talking about friendship. It's important. And we say that it's dangerous to try and satisfy our social desires with unbelievers. Well, then we need to facilitate friendships and relationships in the church and seek them out with one another. You might say, well, I'm, look, I'm, I'm fine. My, my spouse is my best friend. We're, we're good. Well, good for you. Not everyone has a spouse. 
And I'll tell you, you can hammer at doctrine till the cows come home. But for many people, if they feel that you don't care, they're going to leave, no matter how right the rest of your doctrine is. You say, well, it's not right. It's about the truth. Well, this is part of the truth. That's my point. It's right there in the Bible, verse 25 and 26. They have the same care one for another. So if we're not trying to live out the truth practically of the one body, then we're not actually following the pattern for the church in the scriptures. Yeah, I mean, sometimes people have left a local church and people say, well, they must not have appreciated the doctrine, you know. And sometimes that's been true. But sometimes the, the problem has likely been that the church wasn't practicing the, the doctrine that you're bringing out, the doctrine of the church as a body. That's it. And this truth is also key, by the way, when it comes to practicing church discipline. We're going to talk about that a little bit more in our next episode. But part of church discipline at times in, involves some degree of social separation. But hey, that's only going to be meaningful and effective if there is, first of all, some degree of closeness. Otherwise, trying to invoke social separation isn't going to change anything. And then that aspect of discipline loses its impact. Now, I know discipline doesn't just refer to excommunication. It could first be a word of rebuke or correction. I mean, it's, it's like a family. It's like a marriage, we said, where we're meant to, to talk things through. And like a marriage, the first option when there's problems is not to exit the relationship, by the way, but to seek to work through and to talk about these things and to humbly seek a restoration of that oneness that's intended. But the local church is not merely a place that you attend, but a people to whom you commit. Thanks, Matthew. Excellent uh, teaching here on, on the church as the body. A powerful image that conveys three things all at the same time. One, unity. Uh, secondly, diversity. And thirdly, interdependency. And as we close, I'm just reflecting on how even our own bodies uh, teach us this third truth of interdependency. Our members are interdependent on one another. But as we just look at our bodies, we realize that we ourselves are dependent beings. We, we come from a mother and a father. We rely every day on others for our needs. And so let's embrace this uh, truth about ourselves. We are dependent. We need the church and the church needs you and me. So let's go all in on uh, being part of the local church. Thank you, Matthew, for this. And just a quick thank you as well to Allison Flint, who, who continues to manage our social media for us. You can connect with us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, as well as email us at info at practicologypodcast.com. Also, thanks to Dan Barber, who keeps everything running smoothly on the tech side. We hope you'll join us next week as we continue to study the scripture together. God bless. God bless.